Welcome to Because of the Beatles, the podcast about the Beatles, everything about the Beatles 24-8. I'm Erica. And I'm Allison. And before we start, please be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or stream us on Spotify. And if you are enjoying Because the Beatles, why would you not be? Come on. Feel free to leave us a preferably five-star review so other Beatle maniacs can find us. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll be posting videos, photos, and more from this episode and beyond. You can also email us at bcthebeatles at gmail.com. Yup. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. So spooky. I know. Quarantine Halloween. I know. Oh, that rhymed. Look at you. And I'm going to be watching some scary movies. What's your favorite scary movie? I love the movie The Others with Nicole Kidman. It's from like 2002. I love that movie. It's just the scariest, creepiest version of Turn of the Screw that anybody's ever made. Oh, shit. I remember seeing that several times in the theater. What's yours? Um, I don't know. I love Hocus Pocus. It's not really scary. Um, <laughs> it's funny, though. It is funny. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's. I don't really have a ritual. I do. I did watch the new The Haunting of Bly Manor on Netflix, which is based on Turn of the Screw. I know Same story based. Screw that kind of got yeah took me there. That was okay. It was okay. Um, it was okay. My favorite scary movie. Gosh, maybe two of us. The biopic with John Lennon and Paul McCartney, <laughs> where they're at John's house. Maybe I'll watch that on Halloween. That's scary. <laughs> I mean, Aiden's, Aiden Quinn's uh, Paul McCartney is just horrific. That's terrifying. There we go. There we go. That'll put some right into you. Every time. <laughs> yes, it's chillingly bad. And uh, to any of you who follow us on Twitter, uh, I watched it for uh, for John's birthday when, you know, we did a we did a great John episode. Check it out. But I watched two of us and I watched London Naked. Oh, um, God. Which I, well, you, you're a Doctor Who fan. I know. And then there's the ninth Doctor's penis and I can't. Have you seen it? Yeah. (laughs) I have two major problems with that movie. Okay. First (laughs) is that that whole Lennon sinner versus saint. Like wrote him as Jesus. And two, I don't want to see Christopher Eccleston's dick. Just those are my two problems with it. Yeah, well, I mean, I had less problems with nudity than I did, like, just the totally aggressive asshole John versus, like, the broken little boy. I, I, I too, hate when you polarize John Lennon that way, and that movie commits, like, all those sins. It's mm-hmm. really bad. I don't know, Eccleston, people love Eccleston as John. He's not my favorite. I would prefer Jared Harris, who's in Two of Us. Like, I love Jared Harris. Um, oh, yeah, he's great. Also he's great in Mad Men, much later on. Oh, my God. I would watch, yeah. Uh, that was when I fell in love with him was when he saw Mad Men. But, I mean, he's an effective John. He's fine. Like, he's not the best. But Eccleston is, okay, here's my major problem with Eccleston and London Naked. There's a, there's a scene, by the way, they have Rory Kinnear, son of Roy Kinnear, like, created with names, guys, um, playing Brian not a believable Brian. He doesn't look at anything. He looks just like his dad, which is like, mm, okay. Yeah. So they have this scene. It's set in 1964 when John meets his father somewhere and Eccleston is playing like a 20 year old John, 24 year old John. And it's like, Eccleston was like 45 or something when he played this role. So it's like, dude, it was bad. I just, <laughs> I don't know. It totally took me out of the moment. 
Yeah, and he's from the north, so he has that accent. But he's also a really big guy. Like he's yeah. tall. He's broad. To me, he just doesn't look like John. Yeah. And because he's the doctor, it just it troubles me to see his penis. It's just, <laughs> just it's a Doctor Who thing. It just bothers me. I just don't want to see it. Okay. Well, then you never have to see it. Don't worry. No, because I hate that movie because of the other thing. So I'm not going to see it again. Yeah, it's it's not great. I mean, I yeah. And two of us I hadn't seen in a long time. And that's fine. I can go another long time without seeing it. I like two of us for like the fan fiction-y. What if what would this have been like to have been there that day? I just was thinking maybe we'll have to do this sometime. Like I definitely want to do more Beatle biopic stuff because I'm so obsessed with them. But in two of us, like... They say silly love songs so many times, but they can't afford to license it. Uh, and they don't, you know how sometimes like movies will try to like do something kind of pastiche Hey, you know, the song at the top of our show, it's a pastiche, you know, it's like an homage to Beatles mm-hmm. songs. But you know, shows will do that when they don't want to pay for the licensing. So they don't even do that. They just say silly love songs every like two sentences. I just, we need a drinking game. The whole time I'm sitting there thinking, like, oh, man, I wish I'd started the top of the show. Like, yeah, just drinking when they say the silly love songs thing. Oh, we should do some biopic commentaries and make either some bingo or some drinking games to go along with our biopic watching. Yes. And people can watch along with us. That would be really fun. That's funny. Moulin Rouge, the musical, actually, they cut out all the Beatles songs because i'm sure because of the licensing i mean they had lady gaga they had prince they had elton john i mean they had so many things but they cut out the three or four beatles and paul mccartney references that were in the original movies that's so funny i totally believe it yeah that stuff is not cheap nope but yeah moving i guess uh is that a good segue i don't know but uh, my brain all i can think about is mccartney three so no yay i'm so ready to talk about it oh my god yeah. So yeah, since we last met for a podcast, the big news came out that McCartney three is going to be released on December eleventh of this year. It's official. What? What? Yeah, and you know there had been suspicion back over the summer because somebody, some dear soul who is hashtag blessed, noticed that the domain McCartney three had been registered. So that was like a, a big clue, obviously. And the fact that Paul was in lockdown and it's conditions are right, you know, for a McCartney. Paul wasn't in lockdown. He was in he rockdown. Was in rockdown. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I, you know, we love, we all love Paul. He's very embarrassing. We get this. I've had so many people say to me, what's rockdown? Is that his studio name? Like, and I'm like, no, that's Paul trying to be funny. Like, please don't talk to me about it because I, I can't address this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so cute. In the world of dad jokes, it's so cute. Erica, you're a classic apologist. We've talked you're about right. this. You're right. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll give it to him. Paul can have whatever he wants. I don't care. I'll give him like any benefit of the doubt. I don't, you know, but but like, let's acknowledge. Come on. Maiden Rockdown. Lord. I mean, it's good to know that Paul has remained the same in these trying times. He likes a good pun. He does. He's very punny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're punning that paul yes well let's hope that the lyrics are not puns and the lyrics are a little better paul actually posted on socials and said that a lot of the songs that are going to be on mccartney 3 were sort of little snippets he had on his phone that he was sort of like oh i've got all this time in my hands like might as well finish these songs 
we think <laughs> we know some titles. And I think these titles come from fine folks who have zoomed in on like the labels of the records, images of the records that were posted. So take it with a grain of salt because it's not beyond Paul or Paul's team to sort of like throw out random titles just to throw us all off. They love to do that kind of stuff. And to be honest, I love it. I mean, give me all the good marketing stuff. I love it. But so far we have Long-Tailed Winter Bird, which I believe has been confirmed. We've got Find My Way, Pretty Boys, Women and Wives, Lavatory Lil, which, okay, Paul, mm. uh, Sliding, Deep Deep Feeling, Seize the Day, and Winter Bird slash When Winter Comes. Did you say Deep Deep Feeling? A lot of freaking winter here. Deep Deep Feeling, yeah. Mm, okay. There's a lot here. I just, yeah, I want to know what all this sounds like. Uh, Lavatory Lil, is that going to be like a another sort of um, tome? song kind of epic like a rocky raccoon or yeah, it sounds like polythene pam's sister yeah yeah there you go <laughs> totally <laughs> the family just keeps growing or maybe it's uh her name was mcgill and she called herself lil but <gasps> knew her as nancy oh my gosh oh my gosh okay that's headcanon for now because that makes sense i know he doesn't usually go in universe i wish he did maybe yeah he that's did. true maybe, maybe this is what happens when you go into rockdown that would be amazing yeah. if he did that. I mean, I once I once I heard this was announced, my first thought was to go back and listen to Chaos and Creation, which I hadn't listened to in a long time. One um, of the best. And I know like Paul and his team have been sort of like they took over um his monthly sticking out of my back pocket Spotify playlist, which I highly recommend. I always love when they update that. But this month, it's all tracks that Paul has played on, all the instruments himself. And so there's a bunch on there from Chaos and Creation, which, god damn, that's a good album. It's so good. I cannot wait until they put out the deluxe box set for that one. Oh, I know. I know. Just like the Flaming Pie box set, which we did an episode on. You should go listen to it. Which Shameless. was so good. Shameless plug. Hey, it was great. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Very organic. The only other thing we really know about this is that it's available for pre-order and it has a number of different versions, which the main difference we, that we know of is that it's different color vinyl and some of them are different color covers. I like the Dice album, which was designed by Ed Rusha. Which I love. I love, I I love the way this thing looks. Yeah, it's very cool. The yellow one is very interesting. It's the... 333 edition it's limited to 333 copies sold out in minutes the third man edition yeah it's a it's the jack white's third man records pressing plant and it was created by recycling 33 vinyl copies of old (laughs) mccartney and mccartney 2 lps that's very detailed like (laughs) yeah so they did that then they're hand numbered they come in an exclusive screen-printed jacket. It has an exclusive inner sleeve, and it has a poster. So this is this is the one that is going to be worth a lot secondhand. I'm kind of mad I didn't pre-order that one. You would have had to jump on it minutes. It wouldn't have been West Coast time. All you East Coast people got them. I know you did. That's not the one I got, but that's all right. Which one did you get? I got the blue one. Wait, which one is that? Australian? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I mean, there are so many. There's like, my friend got the one from Spotify, which is like a Coke bottle. That one's cool. That's like clearish, like yeah. opaque white 
plastic. There's a red one that was available on Paul McCartney's site. I think that's another one that's a limited edition, but maybe 3,000 instead of 333. There's another one that's white. There's an adorable pink one from Newberry Comics, which was also sold out. Target has a lime green version. That one has a green dye on the front, where the, um, the white one and the pink one have just white ones, white dye in the front. Then there's the blue one and the Coke bottle one. And of course, the black one that's going to be available, non-limited edition everywhere else. Damn. Yeah, I'm on paulmccartney.com right now just checking to see what's left here. And yeah, they have the black vinyl, obviously. Looks like red vinyl is still here. Yeah, I haven't pre-ordered anything yet because I couldn't make up my mind. And then, of course, like, I slept on it. <laughs> slept on a lot of it. So I may end up with the third one. All of this, the red vinyl says it's from Third Man too. So that's very cool. Oh, nope. It's sold out. Fuck me. Oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, well. I'm excited. I think the next couple months we'll have a lot of good rollout. I just, he needs to release a single. Like, I've got to hear something. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm so excited. <laughs> I, this is what we need for 2020. If this is the only good thing that comes out of 2020, at least this year is worth something. Yes, it's true. We've We've sacrificed. We've lived through this year. And now we have a new Paul McCartney album. Yes. And speaking of 2020, if you are American and you are hearing this before Election Day, please vote. Please go vote. Just yeah. please do it. If this is the most important election of our lifetime, please yes. vote. Yes, indeed. And don't mail your ballot in. Obviously, it goes without saying. Erica, you waited in line to vote this week. I waited in line. Yeah, I waited over three hours to vote. It was completely worth it. Good. Yes. See, there we go. Did you do absentee? No, I'm voting in California. So I did mail and ballot. They have a, a cool little system. And I think a lot of states do. Here's a pro tip. If you mailed in your ballot, there's a thing called ballot tracks. And even if you've already mailed it in, and you didn't sign up for ballot tracks before you mailed it, you can still sign up for it now and get confirmation that your ballot was received and counted. That's fantastic. Yeah, Google ballot tracks. I did that and I got a nice little text from California S Secretary of State that said my ballot was received and counted. So good to go here. Excellent. So fingers crossed. Everything yeah. goes well next week. Yes. But in the meantime, we still have Halloween. Yes. And we have a wonderful guest today. Talking about some really spooky stuff. Yes. His name is Kevin Eustace and he's a podcast host. He has two podcasts about paranormal activity, and he's from Liverpool. So I spoke with Kevin today about all things paranormal beetles. Take a listen to this interview. It's a lot of fun. I learned things that I had never heard before, some really crazy stories, some really fun stories, and it's always fun to hear stories about Liverpool. I'm so excited to welcome Kevin Eustace to the podcast. Kevin is a paranormal investigator and the host of the podcast, We Need to Talk About Ghosts, a series of true listener ghost stories in a lighthearted format. 
And he's recently launched his second podcast, The Dark Paranormal, a more serious look at individuals' true and very scary otherworldly experiences. Kevin is also a Liverpool native and a massive Beatles fan. He's joining me today to share stories at the intersection of both of his worlds, the Beatles and the paranormal. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so happy to have you. You're very welcome, and thank you very much for the invite. It was um, I've been listening to some of your shows, and obviously, absolute Beatle mad fans over there. So brilliant! Yes, and I'm a huge paranormal geek, so your show <laughs> is one of my new favorites, and I'm loving it. I'm glad you like it. I love it. I love it. First, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get into paranormal investigations, and how did you start your podcast? I had an interest in the paranormal since I was about eight years old, I'd say, because somebody got me a book for my birthday which was like a history of ghosts and it had loads of pictures and stuff in it and it really piqued my interest. My mother was also very interested in the paranormal so she kind of spared me on to go into school and start like ghost clubs and stuff like that, like a little weird kid. So yeah, it really started from a, as a youth really and then um, when I, I got older, I still kept that interest going obviously but then being an adult gets in the way. I'm also a musician as well so I was trying to combine all of my hobbies. It wasn't really going very well, but I was listening to a lot of podcasts. And then I thought, you know what, I'm going to give podcasting a go myself. So about two years ago, started off, we need to talk about ghosts. And um, yeah, it's slowly but steadily building up a rather large following. So really happy with it. So you have listeners sending their stories or people you know, how do you get your content? I started off, I was just covering well-known stories like Amateurville or The Entity, the true story behind those sort of stories. But then I started asking people to send in their stories. And eventually, like each day now, we receive like a number of stories being sent in from people around the globe. We've got a large listener base in the US, which is really brilliant. And um, I'll normally just read them out. With the stories, it tends to be very straight when I'm reading the stories out. I did used to try and have a bit of a laugh in between each line of the story, but it started to feel a little bit disrespectful if somebody's took the time to put down their paranormal experience and I'm then trying to crack a joke in the middle. So I'll kind of leave the joke and fit in between the stories now. And then occasionally me partner will come on Becca and she's a skeptic. So she sometimes comes on and just absolutely picks everything to shreds. So it makes for entertaining listening, thankfully. Oh, that's fun. It does. And then your second podcast, The Dark Paranormal, that's a bit scarier I noticed there was one story about a, a woman in Chicago as a kid who was that was just terrifying that's the more serious dark side of the paranormal correct yeah yeah so basically because uh, there's quite a lot of levity in we need to talk about ghosts I thought that some of the stories that come through are horrific like they're really terrifying and I thought you know what I'm, when I get one like that through I'll save that and I'll put a more serious slant on it and uh, do that for the dark paranormal so it seems to it's getting some good feedback and really quite chuffed with it. Have you had any scary investigations or paranormal encounters yourself? Yeah, well, our first Halloween special that we've done for the podcast, we actually done at a place called Blackburn House. And it's in Liverpool city centre, but it's, funny enough, it's opposite the Boys Institute where Paul McCartney went to school before, and it's now Lipper. It was built in like 1790. And it was the girls' part of the school, if you like, originally. So we went in there and we'd done a seance and a few other weird things. And although we never like seen anything, we got a lot of like shadow figures and corner of the eye phenomena. So that was a little bit weird and freaky. Other than that, the closest I'd say I've got to a genuine paranormal experience sort of thing is we were in a cafe. Funny enough, actually, with this being a Beatles podcast, when I was about 16, I'm 41 now, I went to audition to play John Lennon in a play in a cafe in Bowl Street in Liverpool. 
And uh, I went in and we were sat around. There was like six people there, including the playwright. And we're talking about things. And the guy who wrote the play says, and this is John and he's going to do the music. And he gestured to this guy to the left of me. So I like nodded at him. He nodded back. And then we carried on talking through the night. And then as the night drew to an end, I, I said, does anyone believe in ghosts? And we started talking about that. And all the while, this John fella is being very, he hasn't said a word. He's been very quiet. Anyway, we finished the night. We all come out to the cafe and they're all going to Kirby, which is a part of Liverpool. And I was going back to Heighton, which is a different part. So I was going to a different train station. And um, this John guy comes out and says, I couldn't help but overhear you live in Heighton. Do you want to lift? So I went, yeah, okay, go on then. That'd be brilliant. So um, I get in his car and he starts saying, uh, I'm, I'm not, you seem really interested in the paranormal and stuff. I went, oh yeah, I love it. So then he starts telling me this story about him taking his family to Glastonbury not during the festival. And he said he had a video camera and he was filming his kids playing around. And then one of his kids pointed out that on the tour, which is like a hill in Glastonbury, um, he said, Dad, what are those figures on the hill? He said, and he zoomed in with the camera and there was these white figures all walking around on the hill in a circle. And then they looked back at him. He said, so he just moved the camera away. He said, and then when he got home, he put the video in. And at the point where he zooms in on the figures, the video that he's watching becomes black and white, flips upside down, and it's a video of him filming from the hill. So he's now on that video, and then, <gasps> then it just cuts out. Oh, my God. I know. So so he's telling me that, and I'm like, in the, I'm in the car thinking, bloody hell. And he's getting really carried away. He's like, um, oh. it, 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 and then he says, I want to tell you things that have gone on since then. He said, but I don't want to pass it on to you. So I'm like, I want to know this. This is great. So um, he starts saying, like, I had a letter with no stamp on it come through the door saying you've seen something you shouldn't have. He said, my daughter started to see these white figures in a room. And he's going on and he's getting more and more het up. And then, though, it started to turn a little bit weird, if that wasn't weird enough. He started to say things like... Um, Wait, but it started to turn weird? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> he, says, um, he says, it started to get to the point, he said, if you pulled up behind a car, he said, the last three letters on the registration would be like my arch enemy, he said. And I'm thinking, well, that's just paranoia. That's not paranormal. And he started to get more weird down, like the just paranoid route to the point where I thought, I just want to get out of this car. So I ended up saying to him, just pull over anywhere here as we got close to me house because I thought, you're not knowing where I live, mate. No way. So um, he pulls over and I got out. I ran home. And then the next day, I rung the playwright and said, because as I say, I was 16. They were all like in the mid 30s. And I said, I don't think it looks right. I'm not going to do this and he was in agreement but um then i said i tell you what say that john fellow was weird who does the sound you know what do you mean and i so i tell him what happened and he just burst out laughing and said john wasn't there last night he said that fellow was there when we came in we didn't know who he was i went you gestured towards him he went you know i just said john's doing the sound he said i, I never thought never realized that i gestured toward this fella so i got in the car with a complete and utter lunatic by all accounts who had a terrifying story to share that's amazing and horrifying <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely petrifying. Did you ever see him again? No, and you know what? The funny thing is, um, after that story I've just told you, I've told numerous times on certain podcasts because it really stuck with me. And I always think, God, you know what? You could be listening to podcasts and just be like, why do you keep mentioning this? I'll just give you a lift. But um, he really didn't just give me a lift. He took me to a terrible place, to tell you. Yeah, seriously, if, if you're listening, mystery man, <laughs> add us on Instagram at BC the Beatles everywhere in line. Let us know. We'll have you on. I want to know who you are. <laughs> yeah. What are you it's doing crazy. now? Oh, my God. So 
In addition to a paranormal investigator, as we mentioned, you are a resident of Liverpool and, of course, Mm -hmm. a giant Beatles fan. Mm -hmm. And do you ever get tired of people like me being obsessed about the Beatles and asking you about your connection to Liverpool? I always wonder about that with Liverpool residents because we're so obsessed from the outside and you guys just live there every day. Does it annoy you at all? No, never. it never does. And we're, we're exceptionally proud of it. I mean, to be honest, it falls into two camps. I'll say about 70% of Liverpoolians or Scousers, as we're known, adore the Beatles and you're brought up on them. So, you know, every every album, every song lyric, every fact, you've been to all the places. And then it just does become kind of semi-normal to you, to the point where, like, for example, when Paul came back, I think two years ago, and... Um, he played at our local pub, literally the pub that's over the road from us. He played there, and we only knew because we seen the crowd, and we were like, "What's going on there?" And then it was like, "Oh, look, there's Paul McCartney." Oh, right, that was the Liverpool Phil, right? Um, yeah, the Philharmonic pub. Yeah, he played then on a full set in the afternoon. So you get really normal with it. There's about twenty percent of Liverpoolians don't like the Beatles. They are sick of it and all that sort of thing. But you'll get that with anything, won't you? That's just a small minority. Yeah, so yeah. Not exactly. too bad. So I don't feel too bad. So. Oh, no, I'm a huge fan. I, I, I've been all my life. You can't avoid it and you, you don't really want to if you're into it. So as far as the intersection of the Beatles in the paranormal, are there any kind of, what kind of paranormal stories or activity are happening in the city and especially around the Beatles story specifically? Well, specifically with the Beatles, there's some really good ones. So, for example, I mean, we all obviously know Penny Lane. And most people, if you're a big Beatles fan, you'll know it's a real place, of course, in Liverpool. In Penny Lane, number 44 of Penny Lane is a shop. It's now a pottery shop, but it used to be a printer's prior to that. And then it was empty for a long time. But the shop itself has a poltergeist. Now, it stood unoccupied in the 1930s and a family moved in next door. And they kept hearing footsteps, bangings, things getting thrown around. So much so that they left. They actually upped and left the property. And then when the new family came in, people would say, there's a poltergeist next door. You know, it's going to be really noisy. And But they never experienced anything. So they had quite a good life in there until around 1945, when they started to hear an unearthly voice coming from that building and footsteps again. So they left. And then the next family that moved in, there was nothing really. They didn't see anything or hear anything. And it took a hiatus till around 1970 and 71, thereabouts. And then that's when that shop became a printer's. And overnight, the owners would lock up and leave and all hell would break loose. So much so that passers-by would ring the police and say, like, you know, there's there's clearly someone in there throwing about. And the police would turn up and obviously there'd be nothing seen. Everything would still be as it was when they left it. And no one could explain where these noises are coming from. It's a pottery shop now. The current owners claim that nothing's still going on there, but... It might be just taking a hiatus, maybe coming back sometime. You never know. Wow. Um, that's kind of freaky. It was a freaky one. Has anything ever happened around any of the Beatles landmarks like Paul's house or John's house? Has anybody ever seen Aunt Mimi, for example? Well, yeah. I mean, there's a couple, to be honest. There's um, not necessarily with John's house, but there was, uh, I think it was in the early 90s, there was a guy who was walking his dog through Strawberry Fields. Now, Strawberry Fields in itself, it's it's not you know it's not actually a field really. It's it was a former Salvation Army place, and it's it's just got a garden really in front of it. But he, he was walking his dog through that garden, and um, he came across a middle-aged man with a ponytail and a beard, and an elderly woman. And this is in the early nineties, 
and they stopped and didn't say anything, just bent down, patted his dog and like was smiling. And he was, he, the guy said like, oh, the dog's name's Charlie. And again, they didn't say anything. They just smiled and carried on walking. And as he was walking off, he says, the guy thinks, I'm not a huge Beatles fan, but that guy is the ringer of John Lennon. And when he turns around, they're not there and they've disappeared. And then he goes on to say what he's seen and somebody shows him a picture of Aunt Mimi and he genuinely believes he's seen John and Aunt Mimi walking through Strawberry Fields, which is a, a lovely little one, but a weird one nonetheless. I would be honored if John and Mimi's ghost came and pet my dog. I'd be so happy. Yeah, definitely. You'd never watch the dog again. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but um, the, I think one of the most interesting ones in terms of um, landmarks and stuff, it would have to be the cavern itself. Now, interestingly, the cavern, as everyone knows who's into the Beatles, is on Matthew Street. And uh, Matthew Street is named after Matthew Pluckington. And he was like a, an agriculturist. He, he owned that land in the 1700s. Um, and he built a warehouse on the site where the cavern was. Now, basically, overnight, so the story goes, he became exceptionally wealthy. So much so that people would say he's clearly made a deal with the devil or something similar. And um, that was the rumor going around. So anyway, the streets then renamed Matthew Street and the caverns built. And um, when the cavern was then demolished originally, when they started to excavate it so they could reopen it, when they went into the cellar to start excavating all of the rubble in there, they actually broke through the floor. And under that floor, there was a massive cavern, if you like, underneath the cavern that no one in history had ever recorded or known about. And it was a giant water feature, if you like, that fed five wells that were all like carved with intricate little carvings. And no one's ever mentioned it throughout history. It's never been recorded, but it would have sat directly under Matthew Pluckington's warehouse, like some sort of temple or shrine. And then it went, he covered it up and uh, they, they built the cavern on top of it. So... There is something maybe into the occult there. It's also a little, there's a legend that the, it's a very strange thing to say, but apparently the devil himself has um, been known to loiter in the men's toilets in the cavern club as well. So, which, um, oh my God. You know, there's, there's nicer places to hang out if you're the Prince of Darkness, I suppose. That's hilarious. We actually talked to Dale, who I think runs the marketing for the cavern club a couple of months ago, and he did not mention that when he was telling us about the cavern. <laughs> No, I suppose really you, you wouldn't have. really. I love it. That's great. Um, so if I was visiting Liverpool, are there any places to go or any tips or tricks that I could do to have a better chance to experience something paranormal, especially a Beatle paranormal event? I wouldn't suggest there's anything you could do in Liverpool that you couldn't do anywhere in the world to try and feel a bit weird with the Beatles, if you like. So, for example, what I mean by that is... What I've done previously, and I'm, I'm not claiming to be psychic in any way, shape or form, but if you sit in a dark room and have stereo speakers either side and you play some of the tracks from the anthology, you know where they're just in the studio talking? Mm -hmm. if, if you get yourself into the proper mindset, you can have a really strange experience where you can put yourself in that studio. It's an exceptional thing to try, and I suggest anyone does it. But um, if you're talking about Liverpool sites in general, Beatles-specific, there's allegedly a ghostly nun in the Walton Church where Eleanor Rigby's grave is. Oh. If you want to loiter around Eleanor Rigby's grave, there's a slight chance you may see a ghostly nun. But I don't think there's much that you could do in terms of conjuring up one of the Fab Four. Oh, I wish we could, though, right? I know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be point. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what about the Beatles themselves? What kind of 
paranormal events did they report in their own lives? Well, people always say John's the most spiritual one, and it's hard to argue against, I suppose. But John said he's seen the crying white lady in the Dakota building. So it's, it's one of the Dakota's famous ghosts. In the UK, we've there's a, a common thing. It might be a US thing too, but there's a common ghost known as the, the white lady. It's a bit of a trope. Most villages and towns have her, and she lives under a bridge. And if you go under the bridge and you say white lady, blah, 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 she appears. But apparently the Dakota building has a white lady as well who's seen crying. And um, John allegedly has seen the white lady himself. But he also, when he went to Almeria to film How I Won the War, he rented this giant mansion with about 18 bedrooms in it. It was a really old place. And he let some of the cast stay over and some of the crew. Uh, I think Ringo mentions it in his autobiography as well. And um, he was convinced it was haunted. And one night there was a power cut and he blamed it on the ghosts and was quite adamant that the only way to appease these angry ghosts was if they lit some candles and had a sing-along. So um, somewhere back in time, there's this scene where John Lennon's surrounded by candlelight and a load of cast members and playing his acoustic and singing to ghosts, which is a, a lovely Halloween image, I think. Oh, that's great. Oh, my God. Yeah, I do also like the um, Paul's one. Paul's one's really, like, not sad. I think it's very... Uh, it's an emotional sort of one. When they were recording Free as a Bird in 95, Paul said, as he's gone on record to say there was a load of strange things in the studio that would happen. There'd be weird noises and there'd be sounds getting picked up by the microphones that shouldn't have been there. And he'd know, you know, at that stage in his life, he'd been recording all of his life up to up to that point. Um, and he just felt that when he put his headphones on occasionally, he thought he could swear he could hear John's voice. And uh, as they were recording, most of the anthology things, but especially Free as a Bird, that single, a white peacock came on the grounds and kept like knocking its head against the window and trying to get in. And all three of them turned around and said, that's John, that. Now, interestingly, with Free as a Bird, which ties it all in, in a lovely sort of heartfelt way, John first started playing the guitar after learning the banjo. His mother taught him that, I believe. She was a banjo player. And all of the, both John and Paul, and George, they were all big fans of a UK entertainer called George Formby. He was like a, a wartime ukulele player. He's uh, very well known in the UK, like a bit of a comedic player. But they all adored him. And at the end of Free as a Bird, George Formby's saying was turned out nice again. And um, that was what this catchphrase he'd say in all of his films, his comedy films, turned out nice again. And um, they put it on the end of Free as a Bird for John because they knew John was a big fan. So at the end of Freezer Bird, they put George Formby saying, turned out nice again, but they reversed it just to give a bit of mystery to it. But when they played it, it sounds perfectly like made for John Lennon. Um, oh, and it's just so, so bizarre. So bizarre. I listened to it just before when I knew I was doing this. Obviously it was like, it does. It just absolutely sounds like made for John Lennon. So it's a lovely little circle story there. George also, when he, in poor Friar Park, the guy who owned or built Friar Park before George got it was a guy called Frank Crisp. And George has seen him around the garden, apparently. But we have nothing on record from what George's reaction was. We do have on record that his assistant, Terry Doran, had seen this fella in the library, apparently, and asked him who he was and what he was doing. And the guy just turned around, tutted at him and disappeared. And then Terry then ran into the room where George was and said, I've just seen an effing ghost. Um, and George just laughed and explained that'll be Frank. Don't worry about it, sort of thing. So that that's good because that is on record. Oh, wow. Kind of the last interaction which 
you could say that they've had is one that I love. I think it's you need to take it with a pinch of salt, definitely, but I do love it. And it's it's growing more traction in Liverpool as, as a piece of folklore at the moment. And that's the whole John selling his soul to the devil story. Yes, tell me this. I've heard something about this, but I don't know the full story. What is this? Yeah, it's 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 a cool story. It's um, but I do think it's been added to and added to. But the version that we know as Liverpoolians is that there's an iron bridge in Mossley Hill, which is a, a it's a place which is basically um, John lived on Menlove Avenue, and it's not too far from there. It's walking distance from there, and allegedly a 20 year old John Lennon met the devil on the bridge and sold his soul for 20 years of fame. And um, interestingly, according to the legend anyway, they had a gig the following month in Litherland, which is a place just just on the outskirts of Liverpool. And uh, it was the first time when they played that Litherland gig that the crowd went into a mania. It's the first time of Beatlemania. Up to that point, the crowds were just kind of tapping the feet and swinging the heads. But when they played that gig after this alleged meeting, the crowd was screaming and pulling at the hair and going crazy. And when they came backstage, all of the lads were apparently, what the hell was that? That was bizarre. And um, one of the support acts, I don't know who it was. It is, it, it's a change from like Rory Storm and the Hurricanes to other people. But whoever the support act was said to John, what the hell was that? That was insane. And allegedly John Lennon said to him, well, that's because I sold me soul to the devil last week and gave him a wink. And the guy kind of took it with a pinch of salt, but obviously 20 years later, he was shot dead. So it's kind of an evolving myth at the moment in Liverpool. 10 years ago, I never heard of it. But now, if you mention John Lennon, it's like, oh, we sold a soul in Mosleyle. So I don't know whether it's just been invented in the last 10 years, to be honest. Oh, that's crazy, though, because wasn't the Litherland show in December that year, too? Yeah, it would have been so, and obviously not just after his birthday, so maybe it was the same month. Jeez. What is, like, it's been viewed recently and and people are saying that could be something to do with it obviously john was kind of fixated with the number nine well they say fixated he wasn't really he just you know he he thought it was part of his numerology sort of thing um but if you listen to number nine dream it's really interesting because the lyrics in it do seem to describe someone meeting someone to get a musical gift from them or something similar read the lyrics on it it's um it's it's really you could bend it to match this story. That's so cool. Yeah, it is, it's a very cool story that I do like that one. I guess there's one other paranormal adjacent story with John in that he saw a UFO in New York City in the 70s. Yeah, he was with May, wasn't he, with that? Yeah, he was with May Pang. We actually just did an episode about John in New York for John's birthday. And so yeah. he was living on the east side during the last weekend. It was about 74. I think when he he saw it and he was um he was naked on his balcony and he yeah. saw it <laughs> and he called out May Pang who was also naked to come out and see it yeah I, 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 you know what because it's a UFO thing I, I briefed over it but I'm pretty sure wasn't the I forget the guy's name now but he was like the chief photographer and he asked him to come over and take photos of it and they had photos but they didn't develop or something similar. Yeah, I think it was um, Bob Gruen. Bob Gruen, yeah, that's it, yeah. Bob yeah, Gruen, the same yeah. guy who took those those iconic John Lennon NYC photos. And John got really fixated on it. He, um, I think it was the Walls and Bridges album. He put a little yeah. typed and said, I saw a UFO, JL, and he drew a UFO and the artwork on it. Yeah. But it, 
it was um, it was actually reported by a number of people that same night. And nobody ever determined what it was. So that's really interesting. That John possibly saw it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I believe that. Yeah. I was. I, I, isn't there a, a version of the story as well where he was screaming, take me with you or something along those lines? <laughs> yeah, I think he was. If anybody would have been up for a UFO abduction, it would have been John. It would have. Oh been God, yeah, yeah, hundred and ten percent, hundred and ten percent. Now I'd like to ask you your thoughts on a very silly thing. I've been reading this book in the spirit of Halloween called Channeling Harrison, mm. um, where this, this man claims that he is channeling the spirit of George Harrison, and there are other books and YouTube videos about people who claim yeah. that they've channeled John and Brian. What do you think about yeah. these guys? Do you think any of these guys are real? Um, do you know what? I'm, I wouldn't rule anything out, but what I will say is I've looked at every single one of these people who say this, and I don't believe a single one of them. What I would say is as close, and I don't think this is necessarily psychic. I think this is something that just happens and we don't yet understand it. I think genuinely, if there's one situation which comes as close to some sort of psychic interaction or an interaction at all with the spirit of John Lennon. The only person capable of doing that is Paul McCartney. And what I mean by that is it's very strange. And obviously when I say this next sentence, I in no way, shape or form are implying that I'm a very standard of that. But I was in a songwriting partnership with my best friend for a good 10 years. And um, it gets to the point when you're in that songwriting partnership where you could be playing, say, a C and a G chord, a C and a G chord, just jamming around. And at the same time, you'll both go to like an A minor seventh and you'll look at each other and you'll nod and you'll do it because you just knew that's where you were heading. And Paul's, as you will know, obviously, Paul's mentioned like when recording the Flame and Pie album, um, I go back so far, I'm in front of me and he's thought, oh, that's a stupid line. And he's heard John in his head saying, no, keep that in. That, that makes sense mm -hmm. to me. And I think that's as close as a conversation, Paul McCartney can have a conversation with John Lennon today if he wanted inside his own head because he's literally formed that personality and knows that personality inside and out. He's, he'll probably get 99% correct answers that you would if you were speaking to John himself. So I think it's not psychic as such, but I, I do think Paul McCartney is the only person capable of having that conversation. I would be happy to change my view on it if somebody came out and was like, no, no, this is John Lennon here in spirit. He's asking me to say this. He's Say I'll be all for that, but um, up to now I haven't seen it. Yeah, so far of what I've read, I haven't been I haven't been convinced yet. I would love to see it if somebody would, but so far now. Yeah, and like there's a guy on YouTube who um says he's released the the next John Lennon album. He thinks he's recorded it via John, and it's just it's not. It's like you know, it's snippets of Sergeant Pepper's all sewn together and stuff. And it's like, why would you even bother to, to make up such lies? Are these people scam artists? Are they crazy? Do they somehow believe that they're being guided by spirit? I mean, what motivates somebody to do that? I, I just think some people shouldn't be allowed on the internet, to be honest with you. <laughs> I think they should have to pass a test, like a driving test, before they're allowed on it. Seriously. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> would, yeah. I mean, in our U.S. election era, that would be that would love that <laughs> right now. Yeah, that's a good point. So is there anything else that I should ask? Or do you have any other Beatles-related stories, paranormal or otherwise, that you love to tell being from Liverpool and all? Liverpool's very small. 
you know, and you'll know if you live in New York, New York's a port town, isn't it? We're a port town. And that's why John felt so at home in New York, because it's too, more or less, Liverpool's a tiny New York, a tiny New York. And um, everybody knows everybody else. And seven, the, is it six or seven degrees of separation, whatever people say? Like my best friend's Nan's cousin is Ringo Starr. Um, my partner, this isn't Beatles related, but my partner's mother's cousin is Jerry Rafferty from Steeler's Wheel. So it's a very musical town and everyone knows someone. But I've got a couple of things which are really the, the Beatles related and kind of cool. And it's only when I take a step back and think, that's a cool little thing that you know that sort of thing. One of our neighbours used to live next to Stuart, Stuart's family in, in Heighton. And uh, he would always tell the story, this this neighbour, that he would be sent to the shop for cigarettes by John. He said John would pop his head over the fence and be like, will you go to the shop and get us some ciggies? And he'd be like, yeah, all right. So he'd be a little errand boy for him. And Stuart's family gave him a cassette. And now this is, I'm talking now maybe... Maybe 1988 or something. He had this cassette and uh, he borrowed it to us. And and so we played it. And this cassette, just a TDK 90 minute cassette, but it was, it was 90 minutes recorded in the studio. I think it was at Abbey Road, but it was just literally continuous run. So you would just hear people walking around for 10 minutes, then nothing for five minutes, then a door open, and then like tea being made and somebody saying, do you want any, how many sugars do you want and stuff like this? And some of those snippets made it onto the anthology series, but a lot of it was on this tape. And I always think to myself, where's that tape now? Because that must be worth a fortune because he, he got given it by Stuart's family. So, so that's, pop, that's story one. Story two, which is a nice little thing that is kind of funny. When I was 16, I auditioned to be the singer in the Pete Best band. Oh. Yeah, which is cool because he, at the time, he was living in what was the Casbah Club in Heyman's Green in uh, West Derby. So it was kind of overgrown and a little bit unkempt, the house at the time. I think it's now some sort of National Trust place, but I turned up in a cab and... um, went in and there was one other guy before me and he was like, I said, how long have you been here? He said, I've been here about half an hour. He said, but a guy's just walked out and said, his cousin's already got the gig. Don't bother doing it. I went, well, I'm still going to stay. So anyway, when I was called down, I went downstairs. It's a really cool little like story and my own part of Beatles history, if you like, in my own head. Um, <laughs> but when I went into the uh, the cellar of what would have been at the Casbah Club, he had like he'd made a stage out of milk crates, and uh, he was sat in a little alcove playing chess with some other guy. Um, there was a waft of something quite exotic in the air. Let me put it that way. And um, he went, "What song are you going to sing?" Uh, and I went, "I'm going to sing I'm Down." And he went, uh, "Right, go to that tape recorder there." <laughs> he said, "And um, there's a piece of paper next to it. It'll tell you what counter number you have to fast forward it to." I was like, "Okay." So I'm, I'm playing around with this while he carries on playing chess. So then I find it, get up, sing I'm down and stop the tape and stood there and he carried on playing chess and he carried oh on playing God. chess. Seriously. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what am I meant to do? So I went, excuse me, like a little divvy, excuse me. Um, <laughs> and he looked and he went, oh, uh, yeah, nice one. Thanks for that. He said, we'll be in touch. And I was like, no, you won't. Oh, and, uh, my God. Yeah, yeah. So that was really cool. That was good. It came out, and that, but it's you know when you're an adult and you look back and go, of course, this grown man's band was not going to take a 16 year old 
scrawny little teenager on as their lead singer, but it was fun to do. Yeah, but still, I think it could have been a little bit more attentive. Yeah, I thought so. And the um, the other funny sort of Beatlesy one with my family, my nan, she's, my nan died last year at like 98 or something. She had a good innings, but um, she couldn't stand the Beatles. She couldn't stand the Beatles. And um, she really despised John Lennon. And she was like, oh, oh, he was a big head, him. He was just, just a big head, she'd say. And she <laughs> said, and this really tickled me, this, she said, I was stood on Highton Lane once. She went, and he went past in a mini with Yoko Ono sat in the car. She went, and they were only driving about 10 miles an hour. And you could just tell he was saying, ooh, look at me, look at me. And I was thinking, no, you didn't, you big liar. Nan, you didn't see John Lennon drive past you at the bus stop in a mini metro with Yoko Ono. You didn't. And literally two weeks ago, somebody shared an article online and it was a story about John Lennon and Yoko having a break going to Liverpool and then driving up to Scotland. And they drove up to, to Liverpool from Wales in a mini metro. And it was the first oh time, it was the first time I'd like had validation of this story. And I was like, my God, I call me Nana liar for years. And he must've drove past her. There's no way she would have mistook. That's true. And he's probably driving really slow because he was a terrible driver, notoriously. Exactly. Well, that was the kind of the reason for this article. It was saying that he, he crashed in Scotland and all this, and he didn't feel safe in the metro. And I was like, oh my, I said to me dad, I rung my dad up and said, you know the way my nan used to say, like John Lennon, he went, yeah, she's lying. I went, no, look, look at this article. I said, she's not. It's like, you know, this is too on the nose. So yeah, it was made up with that. Oh, that's amazing. I love it. I love it. That is so great. I cannot wait until all of these quarantines are lifted and I can come visit Liverpool. Have again. you never been? I went once and it was almost 20 years ago now. And it was for a very short time. We were driving up, we were in Scotland and we were driving down back to London and we stopped in Liverpool very shortly. We did the Beatles story. Oh, and yeah. We didn't stay over at all. So, and I really regret that. So, when the next time we can travel again, that's the first place I'm going to go. Well, you'll have to let me know when you come over and I'll take you to the best places. Oh, please, please take me to the scariest places too. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, um, I think that's all the questions I have. Thank you so much for being a part of our Halloween episode. I love these stories. Um, where can our listeners find out more about you and your podcasts? Wherever they get podcasts from, wherever they listen to this show that you're doing now, they can just search for We Need to Talk About Ghosts. Um, and there's uh, about 170 odd episodes on there. As I say, if, if it's not their cup of tea, because there is some random waffling that goes on and they're into just more spooky stuff, then The Dark Paranormal is a separate one. And that's a bit more serious. Well, thank you. Sincerely, thanks, Erica. It's always great to, you know, you'll never hear anyone be more proud and talk and want, want to talk about the Beatles than a Scouser, in all honesty. So it's been an honor. Thank you. Well, anytime you want to come back and talk Beatles, we're here for you. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much. After all of that creepy Liverpool fun times, ooh, Halloween, uh, we are going to end our episode like we always do, which is with our favorite Beatles thing of the week. And mine is not spooky, but it is very cool. What is it? So I am a collector of teen magazines, meaning, you know, like 16, Jagger B, like blah, 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 all the good stuff from the 60s. And there's a great account on instagram if you have instagram you give her a follow her name is mark Lindsay's third arm 
Okay. Now listen. <laughs> what? Yes. Yes. Her name is Amber. She's wonderful. Um, so it, Mark Lindsay's third arm is a reference to something in the team mags and she goes, she explains it, but I swear to God, I've been through all these tea mags forever, but she finds some real gems that I don't remember ever seeing. And so yesterday she posted this photograph of John Lennon at 14 with like three of his buddies and one of them's Pete Shotton and they're in their like turned up dungarees and they're just like laughing and having a good time. And I swear to you, I've never seen this photo ever. Oh, wow. I know. And it's very rare. Like, to surprise me surprise us i guess because it's like when you've been on the internet for a minute you feel like you've seen everything and we'll post it i posted it on our um instagram story but we'll repost it on our feed i'll i'll make sure that's cool with her but yeah it kind of shocked me to be honest i'm super excited to see that yeah yeah it was uh gosh i don't want to get this wrong i think it was in a 16 but it was when the beatles started doing those like look at my childhood photos it's funny because they say in the caption, it's like the earliest known photo of any Beatle ever. And I'm like, no, we know that's not true because Paul would have photos like the photo of him and Mike and Mary on the side of the hill. And then, of course, there's the Ringo in blackface photo, which we all know and love, which was also pu- published in Teen Mags. Whoops. <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> not very woke of Ringo. No. Yeah. Well, it's just pass right over that yeah anyway but that's a great photo so we'll post it and you'll love it too yes not not the blackface one the other one. Oh no 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 that one will burn that one is yeah. is not not uh allowed anywhere um exactly. erica what's your uh thing of the week so i mentioned in the interview with kevin that in the spirit of halloween i wanted to read a scary kind of beatles book so i read this book called channeling harrison it's by this spiritually minded musician named David A. Young. He has done some pop music, but he's really mostly known for doing meditation type music. He plays two flutes at the same time. What? How? Yeah. One in his right hand, one in his left hand. He's only got one mouth, right? Yeah. But, but, you know, two flutes. Damn. Two flutes. Yeah. I didn't have high hopes that it was going to be real, but I was really hoping it was going to be a scary tale. Unfortunately, it was not. Unfortunately, it turned out that the author was egotistical, sexist, extremely full of himself, and his connections with George Harrison were tenuous synchronicities at best. Did he know George when George was alive or is this him strictly like channeling him in the afterlife? He did not know George at all. And he's one of these people who claims psychic abilities because he claims, well, I didn't know how to play any of George Harrison's songs. I didn't know anything about him before, Um, you know, before all of these things happened and all and then all of a sudden, you know, I, I saw the album of the concert for Bangladesh wherever I went. Oh, okay. So it's like one yeah. of those things where you want to buy a red car, so you start seeing all the red cars. Yeah, something like that. And then let's see. I have a few choice quotes from this because it's it's just it's just amazing. Please. First of all, the book is more of a memoir of his life rather than an account of his channeling Harrison, which is disappointing because his memoir is about how thirsty he is most of the time. <laughs> like actually, literally thirsty. In the sexual way, it's gross. Ew, okay. 
So his first encounter that connects him with Harrison is that, and I cannot verify this. So if anybody out there knows the story, he says that he met this woman called Marina, whose mother had an affair with George Harrison. And so she lived at Friar Park for part of her childhood because George took them both back to live there. Mm. I cannot find anything that verifies this. That sounds not accurate. Not accurate at all. Yeah. That was his first tenuous connection. As far as this woman is concerned, Marina was dressed in a hippie skirt and wore no makeup. She looked relaxed, but didn't have the pizzazz of the previous night without her makeup. I'm afraid she sensed that I didn't seem wowed by her. Marina went back inside the house. When she came out ten minutes later, she had makeup on again. I interpreted this as a sign she wanted to look her best for me. Oh, my God. That was nice. That was nice. This guy's like an incel. Yeah, a lot of this is about his uh, conquests with women on his own talent. Then I blasted that song with so much emotion and power. It's amazing the microphone didn't blow up. Humble. Humble yeah, also. Yeah, he's, he's wonderful on his connection with George. How much more similar could our situations be? George and I are both men with dark hair and dark eyes. We even <laughs> look alike. We both do yoga and meditation every day and sing and play guitar and write songs with a spiritual message. I never believed in channeling spirits from the other world until now. There have been way too many things happening for me to deny it. Uh, uh, I just, I don't have any words. Wow. D yeah. Uh, what? what? <laughs> Here's another evidence-based argument for him being a channeler. George came to me again last night in a dream. He was playing hide and seek in a recording studio with me. And when I finally caught up with him, he said, I'd like to play tennis with soft grass behind me. <laughs> was this guy just like high 24 hours a day? Like Jesus Christ. He must have been. He also gets to the point where he says that somehow George Harrison led him to start making spiritual channel paintings. It, what His is paintings that? almost all look like penises, so I don't know. <laughs> so many penises this episode. It's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's where we well, start. That's where we end. It goes full circle. Yes, always it always goes back to the penis. It does. Anyway, wow. I do not recommend this book. I do not think that he channeled George Harrison. <laughs> and there are many other fun and scary psychic-based experiences that you can read or watch this Halloween. Yes, and many more of them that are Beatle-related, which I guess we'll save for our future Halloween. You know, there's no shortage. Definitely not, as Kevin went through with us earlier in this episode. Crazy yes. stuff. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm wiping my eyes because that was like made me cry because it was so hilarious and also just tragic. Um, mm -hmm. That is a book that exists. So yes. Anyway, um, well, until next time, do not go read that book. Um, have a very <laughs> spooky and safe Halloween and um, go vote. And thank you for listening to Because the Beatles. And before you forget, subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening right now. And give us a five-star review, please, so the Beatle Maniacs can find us. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll be posting photos and more from this episode and beyond. And remember, you can always email us at bcthebeatles.com. See you next time. Bye. Bye.